pray always and do not lose heart. How is prayer tied to the gift of faith? Why is prayer not optional when it comes to a life of faith? So far in our four weeks of reflection on faith, we started with the acknowledgments that faith, though something spiritual and immaterial, it is embodied, that we incarnate it in our life. That faith also heals, that God desires to make us whole, make us holy by faith. But faith requires a response. That gift of faith given to us requires a response back to God. Now, I usually hate doing this, which is quoting out of the catechism because I'm always afraid I'm going to lose you and put you all to sleep before I've even started my homily. But sometimes it says things just so succinctly and perfectly. So here's how the catechism speaks of prayer in the Christian life. Prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God or the requesting of good things from God. But when we pray, do we speak from the height of our pride and our will or out of the depths of a humble and contrite heart? Humility is the foundation of prayer. Only when we humbly acknowledge that we do not know how to pray as we ought are we ready to receive freely the gift of prayer. Man is a beggar before God. Prayer is the response of faith to the free promise of salvation and also a response of love to the thirst of the only Son of God. Just think for a second what posture we take when we're praying. There's basically two main postures that we take when we pray. First, hands clasped together. What are we doing? We're pleading before God, right? Just think of that pleading before a king that you see depicted in film or an image, somebody who is pleading to a judge, have mercy on me. They put their hands together, clasped, pleading that they could receive what they can't get for themselves. And what's the other posture of prayer? Hands opened, like a beggar. Whatever you have to offer me, I will take because I have nothing to give to you. I come to you poor and a beggar. Lord, what will you offer me? These are the two postures of our prayer, pleading and begging God. But then, prayer is also a response, a response of faith, a response of love. To what? To the commandment that Jesus gives us that we must love God with all our mind, all our soul, and all of our strength. That's the response of faith, that we are called to love God with all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. So when we come to pray, when we attempt to pray, how do we approach it? Because the Catechism tells us that we can do it in two ways from the height of our pride and our own will, or from the depths of humility, acknowledging that I don't know how to pray like I should. So if we come to prayer, mind, body, and soul, 
Which are we letting dominate? Our pride or humility? So, first with pride. How does pride sneak its way into our life of prayer? What I'm going to use as examples tonight is not what we most frequently point to as pride, which is those who think they know everything, those who think they're better than others. That's easy pride to point out. We can point that out right away. But there's another side to pride that we're not always quite so quick to point out. So first, in mind. In mind, what are we using out of pride that keeps us from humility? It's our own thoughts. We can use our own thoughts to avoid God. If we let our thoughts run rampant, we'll never leave any space for God. And ultimately, those of us that tend to overthink everything is a form of narcissism. That I have to have everything figured out in my own mind in order to do it well in the world. Or I have to have the right answer figured out in my own mind so that I don't look foolish. That's the less evident form of narcissism. How does that play itself out? Well, when you think in your mind that you thought, maybe I said that wrong or I did something to hurt someone, how long do you spend thinking over that situation of how could I have done it better? What should I have said? How did they actually react? And what really happened in this situation? How can I fix what's already happened? And so on and so forth. How instead can you let faith be the response? How can you take that, which might be a real fault and a real sin, but instead you turn it into a response of love? That you turn that back to God, that you love God in mind through that occurrence. The second, body. Love God with all your strength. How do we let pride sneak in in body? It's through the pursuit of comfort. That when we heap up comfort in our life and surround ourselves with comforts, it prevents us from making space for God. And this manifests itself in a form of vanity. That creating comfort around me is what is going to bring me peace. So how does that manifest itself? Well, if you're a teenager, maybe it's when that you wake up in the morning and that huge red pimple's right on the front of your nose and you've got to go to school in the morning. Or maybe you can ask yourself, how am I doing? How have I done with aging? And the way that my body is not as great as it once was because of age. How do I deal with the process of aging? Or sickness. What do I do when I get sick? What's my response to that sickness? Because vanity can creep in there. Right? If I get sick and I don't want anybody to help me, that's vanity. If I try to use every means at my disposal to prevent any effects of aging so that I can present myself the way that I want to to the world instead of the reality of who I am, there's vanity there. 
So how can we love God with all of our strength in our body in a humble way? How do you turn that reality into prayer? Last, love God with all your soul. How do we let pride come into our soul in prayer? Protection. Our soul is the thing that drives us outward, drives us to God and drives us to each other, to love each other. And in pride, we protect ourselves from the possibility of being hurt. We call that vainglory, the pride of life. That this life of mine is mine to hold and mine to protect and not to spend or be hurt. So how does that manifest itself? Well, if you refuse to ever speak in public, I will never put myself in front of a crowd of people. Why? What's keeping you from doing it? Sure, nerves come, that's natural. I still get nervous, even though I do it all the time. Nerves is not the problem, but if you outright refuse to do any position of leadership, even when called upon and speak in front of people, why? What are you protecting? Or when somebody pours out love to you in word or in action, how do you respond? What is your response to that gift of love? Is it immediate gratitude and thanks? Or is it a need to repay them for what they've given to you because you have to balance the scales or to mitigate their compliments because, oh, I'm not as great as you think I am? protecting ourselves from the other. How do we let those moments become a moment of prayer? Because ultimately, what happens with pride and in our will is that we want to control. And control is an antagonist to faith and to prayer. If we want control in our life, the gift of faith will never grow, and we will always struggle with prayer. It will always feel like a chore to pray at any moment of our life. Because what does prayer invite us into? Humility, dependence, and vulnerability. The exact opposite of what our pride wants to lead us to. This is one of my favorite books. It's basically a reflection on the sacred heart. And there's a chapter called The Intruder. And I'm gonna to read to you the first paragraph. Just know that the author is speaking tongue-in-cheek when he says this. If you have a fire in the house, guard it well in a fireproof hearth. Cover it up, for if only one spark escapes and you fail to see it, you and everything that is yours will fall prey to the flames. If you have the Lord of the world in you, in your fireproof heart, Fence him in well. Be careful as you carry him about, lest he begin to make demands and you no longer know whither he pushes you. Hold the reins tightly in your hand. Don't let go of the rudder. God is dangerous. God is a consuming fire. God intended this for you. Take heed of his words. Whoever sets his hands to the plow and looks back is not worthy of me. Watch out. He is a good dissembler. He begins with a small love, a small flame, and before you realize it, he has gotten a total hold of you and you are caught. If you let yourself be caught, 
you are lost. A custom, for heaven words there are no limits. He is God, accustomed to infinity. He sucks you upwards like a cyclone, whirls you up and away like a water spout. Look out. Man is made for measure and limits, and only in the finite does he find rest and happiness. But this God knows nothing of measure. He is a seducer of hearts. Pride wants to control and place limits that are familiar to us. God wants to open us up to the infinity, to the infinity that is his love. That's the invitation to prayer. And our model for that today is Moses. Because Moses in his prayer today exemplifies that humility and that dependence and that vulnerability. Right? His humility is in the staff. This is the staff that God had given him to perform all of the signs for the people of Israel. A reminder that every one of these signs did not come from Moses, but were a gift from God. All of the ten plagues in Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea all came from the staff given by God to Moses. And again today, he holds that staff that when he holds it up, God reinforces his people. When he sets it down, God withdraws because it's not up to Moses. And then dependence. Moses shows dependence in how her and Aaron hold up his arms that he can't do this alone, that he is dependent on others to make this happen. And how is he vulnerable? In that weakness. He stands there until he's too weak to even do it himself, which is why some of the most authentic prayer that happens in the human heart is when we are in a desperate situation, right? When a loved one is dying and we come pleading and begging to God we come in utter dependence. There's nothing I can do. We come in total vulnerability because we have nowhere else to turn. But then there's always the catch. Do we come out of pride or out of humility? And that's where all of the years of prayer before help us in that moment of vulnerability. That we grow in that humility before God so that when we are in need, we don't, don't come proud to our God, but we come humbled. Just think of the sacraments. The sacraments are things that are done to you. You just show up. Your response of faith is to show up to receive what God wants to do to you and for you. So, what does prayer offer you? Prayer offers you communion with God, a relationship with God, that without prayer, those two things wither and fade. And what does your prayer look like? What do you struggle with most? Humility, dependence, or vulnerability?